Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three things. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. <laughs> hanging out here on a Monday. Crazy NFL weekend. We're going to get to that. There's some NBA drama. Again, like oh. it never fails. The NBA drama that's out there. Uh, we're going to get Pete Prisco in just a couple minutes to help yeah. us break down some of this stuff. But I, I do want to say something because I was at the Army-Navy game over the weekend. I was in Philadelphia right. uh, for the shows leading up to it. What a spectacle. I don't know if you got to watch any of the game, but like the march on and the pageantry and just the appreciation for the cadets and the midshipmen uh, for like what they do. Yeah. It's just remarkable. And it makes you feel like – like, cause a lot of times you look at our country, like, where are we headed? Like, what is going on? All this dissension and politics. People sure. hate each other. Like, I feel in a pretty good spot when I watch those young men and women who lay it on the line for us and you see how impressive they are. Yeah. I'd actually like to go see one. I missed all the pageantry cause I had to run out to the store for something. My wife needed something. I got another kid with the flu. Um, but it sounded like it was fantastic. And I, it, I want to take my kids. If we can't get to the game itself, like I want to take them to the to the weekend leading up to it. Do you know what I mean? And let them be a part and see what it's all about. Because um, I do think it's important, and yeah. I do think it sends a good message to to kids, especially in today's climate coming up. They might not know exactly what we stand for. You know what I mean? As a country, yeah, I think it's pretty dope. And most importantly, I had uh, I had Navy plus seven. <laughs> <laughs> so, that one uh, to hit. Um, the uniforms, though, like was it clear like Army? They were blew them out of the water. Oh yeah, Navy. the black with a little bit of red. Like That's the difference edition. between like Under Armour and Nike. I mean, we we joke about it all the time, but like right. Nike showed out and Under Armour came out, and like Navy's unis were just like they go back and forth. They go back and forth. The helmets are always fire too. Bro, like Army the killed time. the game. Army, killed yeah, Army, them. Army killed them, no doubt about it. Uh, you know who didn't kill the game last night? The uh, the Rams, because the Rams were in Chicago, cold weather. This was the game where you're thinking, all right, Rams, they're the elite, the, the elite of the NFL. Yeah. They go to Chicago, lay an A. Jared Goff looked awful. It's back to back games. He has not looked good. Had his worst game as a professional by far. I mean, maybe his rookie year, he had some duds, but right, but not four picks. Exactly. He had never thrown three picks. No, four picks. Yeah. One of them was a Hail Mary, so I little, but it was the overall, it wasn't only interceptions. There were a lot of bad throws. He was throwing the ball in the dirt. Yeah. The one that got, I mean, the one that, uh, What's the kid's name? Roquan? Is that his name? Yeah. Intercepted. Like yep. that ball was nine feet short of where the receiver was. Yep. Yeah, it's a bad ball. It was brutal. Uh, not that Trubisky was out there actually playing that great either, but he has that defense behind him. He had three picks, seven interceptions on the night. So it really was a defensive showcase, which makes you wonder because both of these teams, good records, top tier of the NFL, which one can get it done? And it's interesting because the Rams were supposed to have this defense. To go along with this high-powered offense, right? Aaron Donald, Marcus Peters, Akib Talib. You know, you've had injuries, you've had other issues. They traded for Dante Fowler Jr. Just have not been able to live up to that hype, and it comes down to the playoffs. Like, what defense is going to be able to play? And I think that's the interesting thing of the back half of this season is we're starting to see the teams that have better defenses are the ones that are starting to stand out, separate a little bit. Well, first of all, the um, the Rams defense wasn't bad. What they gave up fifteen. Mitch Trubisky didn't look good either. Right. Um, the scary thing about the Rams defense for me at times is they, they get after you, but they're susceptible to like that, that run. Like, the, you know what I mean? It's almost like their, their front is so preoccupied with getting to the quarterback that if you go right up underneath them, you, you can, you can, there's a soft underbelly there to some degree. The good news for the Rams though is, um, they don't have to go to sub 40 degree temperatures. They play right. at home right. in the playoffs. The Super Bowl is in a dome in Atlanta. Like that's, it's not an issue. So if you're going to attribute 
like that poor play last night, both from the team and from golf to the weather, then you don't got to worry about that in play. Right. All right, let's get to our guy Pete because he had a tweet yesterday that I saw that I thought really resonated. And you asked the question, like, because we saw total upsets yesterday. We saw things we didn't see happen. You said, who is even good right now? So I'll ask you, who is good? <laughs> Nobody. I mean, to the point where you can sit down and check it and say they're going to be the Super Bowl champions. And everybody has flaws. They always do. But I, I think everybody's beatable. And you'll say, everybody, will, oh, but what about the Chiefs? They pulled out a stunner against, you know, late in the game to beat the, the Ravens. Well, the Ravens are limited offensively. They don't do much offensively at all. And they hung around in that game. And Mahomes had to convert a fourth and, you know, 82 uh, to get the drive alive to tie the game. So for me, I don't think anybody's unbeatable. I mean, there are. The Patriots are making a surge. Their defense takes a step back. Just when you think the Steelers are making a surge, they lose back-to-back games, one at Oakland, which you should never lose. Uh, you know, the Chiefs have defensive issues. They did get a sack late, uh, two sacks late by Justin Houston that impacted the game, but still they have defensive issues. Uh, on and on it goes. The Saints, you're lifeless for six quarters uh, before they awoke uh, against the, the Bucks in the second half, and a block punt had to do it. So for me, all the teams, the good ones, really have flaws and it's the one who gets hot and plays football at the right time that will win it all Pete, when i look at the patriots i was awfully a, like a heartbreaking loss for them yesterday the miami miracle it was insane i think it's kind of stupid that gronk is getting the like it was ugly it probably was his fault but i don't think that was a scheme issue i think that was just one of those freak plays that happens in football but from a patriots perspective when you look at what it means for them like when they started one and two i was like all right i kind of doubt them but i know they're always going to be there then they get back on track then they have a performance like this late in the season when you have home field potentially throughout at stake and they can't get it done that tells me there's something different about this team am i like am i getting sucked into an anti-patriots trap that i don't want to go to or should there be legitimate concern about the patriots well, you're probably getting sucked into a trap because traditionally they have not played well in Miami, particularly in December. I mean, what is Tom Brady now seven and ten in Miami, uh, and and I think they're one and four, one and five in their last uh, games down there in December. So for me, yeah, we get sucked into the trap. But you know what? The genius had a bad day yesterday, and let, let's go to that. You mentioned uh, Gronkowski, but the two brilliant minds, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, had bad days. Tom Brady took a sack at the end of the half. Terrible. You can't do that. Thought he had a timeout. Come on. You've been around the league for 142 years. You should know better. Took a sack, gave up points, halftime, went on in, didn't get the three points. That hurt him in the end, would have won the football game. A. B. Why the heck was Rob Gronkowski back? They weren't hitting a Hail Mary from 75 yards. He's not batting anything down. That was a dumb decision as well. And some people will question uh, at the end of the, you know, their final possession there, they kicked the field goal to go up five. Should they have tried to score a touchdown uh, to ice the game? Instead, they ran the ball, bled the clock. But the reality is you're not going to get beat by that Hail Mary much, so I can't really fault that. But Gronk back there, I can fault. Um, let me ask you about the Eagles and Cowboys. Good game last night, overtime. Um, Cowboys put up 500-plus yards of offense. Um, I doubted it for a while, but is this just a team starting to reach its ceiling, and what could the ceiling potentially be for the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, look, they're playing well, but they're winning tight games. They're not blowing people away, and a lot of those games are at home. So give them credit. Their, their defense has played well, although you know they gave up some yards in the fourth quarter against Carson Wentz and let them get back into the game. But when they had to make a play, they made the plays, and you got to give them credit for that. You know, Mark Cooper's added another dimension to the offense. They can you know run that ball with Elliott and then go over the top and hit Cooper. 
Uh, so for me, I, th- I think they are a dangerous team because you can do a lot of different things with that offense. Now, Prescott goes, you know, hot and cold. He was awful. It stretches in that game and then gets hot by throwing one down the field to Cooper and kind of gets back into a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, they're good enough on defense, that's for sure. They can run the ball. But again, when it comes time to throw the ball, if Prescott has to take this team back from 10 down in the fourth quarter, can he do it? That's the unknown question. I have my doubts. I want to see it happen. I have doubts too, but when you look at this, and you said something earlier, like what team gets hot at the right time, this Cowboys team is on fire. Like they are, and they're getting it done. It might not be pretty, but that winning in those streaks can build confidence. That's why I think in a league where it's anybody's game and we're wondering who's good, and we said like the Saints' performance was really impressive from that defense, I think the Cowboys have as much a chance as anybody, especially the fact they're going to win their division. Well, you know, look, there is there. here's what you got to ask yourself. Their defense is really good. It's probably not as good as the Bears, but is their offense significantly better than what the Bears put out there? And my answer to that question is yes. I think it is better. Uh, I think they can do more things, and I think Prescott's probably playing better than Trubisky. So they're probably better than the Bears. But let's be real. Everybody wants to say, oh, look, the defenses are catching up. That's a sign of the – well, the, let's – the one playoff game in the divisional round is probably going to be in L.A., and the other one's going to be in New Orleans. Weather will not be a factor. That's going to be a big advantage to the offenses in those situations. So we rush to judgment. Oh, the defenses are catching up. No, they're not. Let's just let it play out. It's one week. It was a nice performance by the Bears. Last week it was a nice performance by the Cowboys. They were both at home. What happens when they have to go on the road? The Miami Miracle, as yeah. I called it yesterday. I don't – I hate the fact what – it's, uh, go ahead. Just well, see, I, the, the, like, I think it's a lazy narrative to say, oh, they shouldn't have had Gronk on the field and it's Gronk's fault. There are 10 other dudes. There were a lot of other missed tackles at that point. And it's one of those really weird situations when you're in as a defense. Yep. I think too many times defenses get tentative and they're like, all right, we're going to make this play. We just need like somebody's gonna make someone's it. Someone's gonna make looking it. Looking around at the for other someone else to make it, and right? You don't want to screw up. That's why I hate when people drop when they only rush three and they drop eight. Like stay aggressive. Like get after the quarterback. Don't let him just sit back there and throw float a ball downfield. And I thought that's more. It was the more of the mindset than Gronk. Now Gronk looked awful. He looked old. He looked stiff as anything, and he couldn't get the tackle. But I would not say it was on him either, scheme wise, or that it was him. Like I would. There was there was a lot more. Danny, you're not. Rob Gronkowski is not in there for any re- other reason than to knock a ball down. So I'm with Pete in that. You are. If you're 70. No, I mean if you're. It's not Rob's fault. But why is he in the game though? Like if it's a 70 yard thing where right. the, no that one shots in the not, can throw that because you have he's on the you'd have to throw it probably 75 80 to yards. get it to a point where you right. would need Rob Gronkowski to just bat it to the ground or catch it over everybody. But as Belichick pointed out, he said there's desperado play, which no one knows what it is. But it's when you throw it, and it might be a Hail Mary where it's not to the end zone, but you try to bat it a different direction, and then the deflection Do gets that. picked by somebody Let else. me get beat with that. But that's what he was saying Gronk was out there for, so that he could have been the jumper, not in the end zone necessarily, but at like the 10 or 20. I feel like the percentages the say, when was the last time you saw the Desperado play ran? <laughs> no, probably not. Seriously, like it's don't overthink it, Bill. Like, Bill, I know he's a genius, but when was the last time? Like, you saw it twice yesterday. Yeah. You saw that little, what do they call it, hook and ladder type of deal? Yeah. Happened twice. It happened in the, um, what was it, the Philly game? Yeah. And it happened in the, so that is way more percent, there's a higher percent chance of that happening than Ryan Tannehill throwing it 70 yards on a Desperado. I'm just saying, I don't blame Gronk. I just do don't think he should have been out there. Like that happened either. Sometimes you got to tip your cap to the other team. Not, no doubt. Look, fantastic. Here's my problem with it for Dolphin fans is that I believe them to be one of those teams where you, 
you don't want to make the playoffs. Not that they will right now, but <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, because they're clearly not good enough to win anything. Why not? And, and to, I, I, I agree. In the playoffs? You. I like, agree with you, but this year we've seen crazy things happen. There's no real separation. There's all this parody. Come on, dude. You I can't, am with you. Come on. Stop. <laughs> come on. We're not going to do that. Danny, you're going to tell me that the Dolphins can we're get into playoffs and make noise. No, I don't right, think right. they can make noise, but I don't, like, I didn't think the Bears could either. Their defense is way better. Yeah. And I'm going to look. I think it's a great story for Dolphins, and uh, yes, as a fan base, you'd rather have them a better draft pick than the eighteen. But no, I'd rather them have to make come to the come to the realization that they're not good enough as currently constituted, and then start making the necessary changes. And I feel like if you limp into the playoffs, you stand pat. Like it gives ownership an easy and front office an easy out. Like no, we right there. We we got into the playoffs, so we're good. Let's just make some around the fringe changes. And I don't believe that to be the recipe for Miami. I think they need to look at it from we're not good enough perspective. What type of major changes do we need to to make this thing something that in the future could be good enough? Yep, they definitely have to. Even if they make the playoffs or not, they're going to have to make some uh, some tough decisions yeah. and revamp the roster if they want to take uh, take it to the next level. The officiating, though, we are a little bit more passionate about it. Some of us more so than others. Mm. But you, oh, you will be soon, sir. You're coaching in a you're coaching in a girls. How old's your daughter? Uh, Eleven. And she's about to play in a rec league, right? Yeah. (laughs) The worst version of yourself will come out with the referees because they'll be awful. They'll be awful. (laughs) Yes. Well, aren't they making like five bucks? Dude, they'll hold grudge. You you think you think they just come in there to get their little five bucks and go home? Yeah. Oh, dude. You would well, just wait. I'm telling you, you think I'm crazy. Just wait. <laughs> All right. So hopefully I'll be able to handle it better than uh, Malcolm Jenkins did because he's obviously a safety for the Malcolm, yeah. uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Although he is a hundred percent in the right on this one because the opening kickoff Eagles versus Cowboys, Cowboys get the return. They fumble. It's clear as day. Their player comes out of the huddle with the ball in his hands, but the officials come out and their explanation was, we couldn't see who had possession yeah, of the ball. That's what everybody else did. It was clear as day who had the ball. So they just blew it. So Malcolm Jenkins, after the game, his quote was that the officials should, quote, stay off the bottle. It was a pretty terrible call. They reviewed it. This is his quote. They reviewed it, and the explanation I got, what it wasn't a clear recovery, although Camu had the ball in his hands, and it was there for uh, only Eagles defenders in the play and the replay. So whoever's watching that in New York should stay off the bottle. He's going to get a hefty fine, but he's right. Well, I, well, I hate that he's going to get fined. But you, you should only get fined if you come out and say something like that and you're wrong. <laughs> right. Like because but everybody and their brother saw the replay that he's talking about and knows that they're knows wrong. That they're, that, right, correct. So I had a situation in Utah. Um, we had a crew. Something happened. I went up for a layup. Um, and I thought I got it off before the buzzer rang, right? And it went in. And I had already had a, a tough first quarter. Valerie, I forget her last name, but she was on the call with somebody else. And so I just, they said it didn't count and I lobbied my case and they told me to go away. And so I caught the ball like as it was bouncing on like a volley and I just volleyed it into like the, the top of the first deck, just <laughs> kicked the living hell out of the ball. So they ejected me and then I came out and realized like in the afterwards that, that I was wrong. Like I, really? it was after, you know, I didn't release it in time in that case scenario, like find me. Yeah. Whatever me. you wrote. Yeah, but if I'm are. right. <laughs> I get to punt it wherever I want to punt it. I agree. I think you should. I yeah. think if you're right, you should be able to say whatever you want. Yeah. I think it's been an awful year for um for officiating. There was another awful call in that game when Dallas Goddard had the uh, the roughing the pass. Oh, it was awful. Like there was just some egregiously bad calls in the Dallas NFL. Goddard on the pass interference yeah, where so the dude had, there was contact, but they just ran into each other. And he just kind of like yeah, out of field. He didn't extend. He didn't push. Yep. Yeah, the roughing was it bad was too. Brutal. Now, thankfully, Philly scored on the drive, so it didn't really impact the game. But that opening drive, who knows how that impacted? Totally. It, which could have flipped the game. I do think there is a reason why you're seeing such bad officiating. Why? We talked a little bit about it last week. 
the NFL officials are under more scrutiny from their bosses. They've always been kind of unscathed. The reports have been private. You've never seen an official get fired in the middle of a season for bad calls, which you saw happen this year. Yeah. I think they're tentative, and I think it's it's kind of fun to watch as a player. Right. Because when we play, if we don't play well, we get cut. Sure. And now they're being held to the same standard, and they're all of a sudden choking and squeezing it a little bit tighter, which is things that happen to players. And now they're getting more and more criticism, and I think it's affecting their – success rate and i think it's just a unique dynamic to officials who have always been like above it they'd screw up calls but no never held accountable yeah like uh whatever like they they just goes away really fast i don't know how accountable they actually are being held maybe in the nfl but in the nba there's very little accountability like i don't with the two minute report so what what's it do (laughs) it's just what you're just gonna tell me that publicly if they screw something up they do get publicly called out I mean, you get graded as an NBA official, and the better officials get rewarded by doing better games and playoff games and finals games, which is more money. So I understand that. But, like, generally speaking, there's some terrible officials with terrible rapport uh, with players, you know, and that should be part of the criteria as well. Like, so for the dude who got, like, the 50-some-thousand-dollar fine um, for yelling at the official in the tunnel yep. after the Dolphins game— and the reports were that that official has had some issues with players in the past. Like, that's a real thing. Why that, Why is he still out there officiating football games? Like, you're a part of the of the show. You are not the show. The show is the dudes that are running around, throwing their body around, catching touchdown passes, making tackles, and so on and so forth. So if you, as part of the show, are going to be messing with the show, right. you got to go. You he don't, he don't belong on the field. Jerry Hughes fined fifty three thousand four hundred eighty two dollars. You love how they come up with these unique just numbers, just right? Just make it fifty. Just making it even fifty, right? It's easier to keep track of. Stupid. So let me get you up to speed on this bull story, right? A week ago, you had the change made. They fired Fred Hoiberg. Five and nineteen. It was bad. Something needed to happen. We have both agreed on that. Yep. So Hoiberg's out there. One of his first games. He's out there trying to be rah rah guy, like get some excitement. So he's clapping and walking up and down the bench, trying to get the players. Uh, with Zach Levine scored a point, and they're like trying not really much of a response. Right. So then, uh, the day after a loss, he holds a two-hour practice, just two days into his tenure. I'm sure that was his like, I'm gonna show them that I'm a, I'm gonna set the tone, right? Uh, then on December sixth, the next day, they have another marathon practice plus a film session, right? So then December 7th, they actually beat the Thunder. Boylan goes out, celebrates with his family. But over the weekend, the Bulls lose by 56. <laughs> Boylan did some unique um, philosophy strategies. So yeah. once they got down 23, he benched all the starters. And he started using five-man substitutions. He did that twice in the game. He substitute the whole roster, yeah. swap them out. And his explanation for why he st- uh, benched his starters was – he wanted to hold a harder practice the day after the game. So he you wanted to be fresh. <laughs> exactly. That's where you lost it. Well, you know who else he lost? The team. Yeah, because but- they were like, you know what? We're not practicing. Yeah. So they had to go out and like he had, they had to sit down with him. Now do, uh, so Coca. They, they refused to practice. Yes. All but two. Coca, who did, who, who were the guys? Cause these guys I would lose all respect for. If you have 13 or 14 dudes who say we're not going to practice and you have two who go out there and go around the team. Yeah. Like those dudes lost all was, respect. The report says Lori Markinen and Robin Lopez were the two people who stepped Good for up them. And said that this is unprofessional. Whoa. We shouldn't be. Good for them. Oh, good wait for a them. Second. You're saying yeah. good for them for practicing? I'm saying good for them. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, that, you gotta listen. go with the team. It's either all in one. Uh, we're all one. Not when your team's being a bunch of poop butts and entitled little dudes. Really? Yeah. Listen, you're a professional basketball player. You get paid. You get paid to play basketball and go to practice and do, do what you're told to do. Like that's your job. It's your job description. Do it. And so while 
you know, you could say, I hey, no one does hockey five-man shifts or whatever. That's okay. He's the coach. He's allowed to do whatever he wants to do. If he calls practice, you take your butt to practice. Having having a revolt by a bunch of young kids who ain't never won nothing is a terrible look. And so for Robin Lopez, it's exactly why you have a Robin Lopez on your team. It's exactly why you have somebody, a voice of reason. He's a veteran. Um, he's always been about winning, never been a me guy, always going to do what that team needs him to do to win. Part of why you have him there, not just his on-the-court production. And Laurie Marketing, good for you for being a good dude. There are so many of these kids. I deal with these little poop butts all the time now, man. They are so raised the wrong way. They're raised to be about me. This whole culture of like of AAU basketball, they've been coddled and entitled since they were like, real talk, 10 years old. I'm recruiting 10-year-olds right now. I'm out there talking to dads about 10-year-olds. Hey, what? The dads are asking me, hey, what, what national trips are you guys going to? I'm selling. Like, yeah, man, we're going to John Lucas in Houston. We're going to go to an event. And these are 10-year-olds. So imagine what that looks like when the kid's 22 and he's a first-round pick. You, oh, it's going to be it, even worse. It's ridiculous. Take your butts to practice. Shut your mouth and do what you're told. Now, at the end of the day, the Bulls have bigger issues. It starts at the top. The only consistency, the only thing that's been consistent there for the last decade have been John Paxson and Gar Foreman. They have not moved. And when you have this level of dysfunction – you have to start higher than the coach. They continue to fire a coach and continue to trade players. And guess what? The dysfunction still lives. It's still there. Shouldn't that tell you as ownership that you need to go above whatever whatever level you have been uh, attacking the problem at? You need to go a step above that? They haven't gone there yet. Is there any other situation where you would say the players were right? No. The coach is always right. No. That's the co- question, no. Because- Coaches are wrong all the time. They're the damn coach. Like, they're wrong all the time. So in-game, yeah, coach could screw it up. He could be the reason you lost the thing. But when a coach calls a practice, I played for Jerry Sloan, right? Jerry Sloan, my sec, my first stint in Utah, so this would have been probably 506. It would have been 0405. We weren't very good. We had vied for the playoffs the year before that. A lot of injuries that next year. It was miserable. We weren't playing for anything. In the 70th game of the season, we were starting our practice by being down in a crab position, like lower than your defensive stance, and slowly crab walking around the entire court. We were starting our shoot-arounds by crab walking around the entire court. That's just purely for, like, like punishment. Right. But guess what we all did? The crab walk we around? We did the crab walk, and we practiced the two hours, and every practice was two hours, and we did our damn job, and we went home, and we got paid to do it. Really? Do your job. So I'm surprised. I thought you would have had a different reaction. I'm surprised. No, I'm old school with some stuff. Like, you know, I, I get on officials. I call a spade a spade. Right. Like, if you ain't learned yet, like, that's what I do. So, like, I in see, this I, case. I wish they could have figured it out before and either all been in the same boat one way or another. Because when you're the two against the 12 or 13, it's going, you're going to lose some respect. Or I don't even, respect's not the like, right word. Cause on, I, I guarantee me they, they lost the respect of the 12 guys, too. On that team? You don't want the respect of them knuckleheads. I don't care. If I'm Robin Lopez, like, and you dudes are acting like that, I don't care. Shame on you, Jabari Parker. Shame on you, Zach Levine. Shame on all of y'all for acting like that. If I'm Robin Lopez, I don't want your damn respect. I'm a professional. All right? If you guys are going to do what's professionally right, we can get down. If you're going to act like a bunch of babies, the coach ain't out there losing the game. We're losing the damn games. We are losing the games on the court. Shame on them. So the only thing I could compare it to in the NFL, and this is sort of the team, like sometimes you might be wrong, but you do it to suck it up to be together, quarterback groups. So yeah. we would always have our meeting room with three or four quarterbacks. And meetings, let's say meetings started, like practice, official big team meeting starts at 9. We yeah. have an early meeting at 8.30 with just the quarterbacks. We'd go over some early stuff. If there was one dude who was late, mm-hmm. we would all wait for him. Right. We'd be like, hey, we're all going to be late. Solidarity? Yeah, like I'm solidarity. With that. I'm with that's that. Like, but, it's, but it is different. I think there is something where – 
you know, if if somebody said we're going to skip the practice, but yeah. there seems like that's a revolt. <laughs> like you are revolting. Like right. I am for solidarity amongst teammates, dude. I am for like after practice if 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 we don't love what's going on, maybe we bring it in, we talk about it, captains lead the meeting, we decide what we want to approach the coaching staff with. Maybe we say, Coach, can we talk to you? Like these are some of the concerns that we're having as a team. Is there any way that we can have a little give and take here? Like we feel like if you did these things, we'd be in a better position to help you win games. I'm all for that. Yep. But just telling somebody that you're not going to practice when they've called the practice and you're paid to do that. Shame on you, dude. I'm bringing this video back when I'm coaching the fifth through eighth grade girls basketball. <laughs> when they're complaining about conditioning and they don't want to have two practices a week. Yeah. They only want to have one. Uh, I'm bringing this video. Except they're show. not paid. <laughs> <That is true. laughs> All right. All right. So college football, it is that time of year. You yeah. The coaching carousel. Coaches get fired. Coaches get hired. You're seeing staffs assembled. It's also that time of year when the NFL coaches get fired and you start seeing new coaches sure. hired. Rumors start floating out there. One of those names that you always see bantered about is Jim Harbaugh. And I don't think it's a surprise at all. I think anytime you have a history of staying in a place three or four or five years and then bouncing to the next one, I think it's legitimate. I don't think he will leave. And he came out and tried to assure everybody that he's not going. And so he said, quote, I am not going anywhere. Talked about them trying to build something special at, at Michigan. I do think he had to say something because it was getting that bad. And let's sure. be honest, the real reason why he came out and said it is – Recruiting. There's an early signing period in a couple weeks, maybe less than that, where he's trying to assure all those kids that are signed with him or thinking about signing with that I'm going to be there. But it's kind of like every time I hear a coach either asserting he's going to be somewhere or denying what the rumors that are out there, I won't believe it until he's until we're through and all the spots are done. Like that's when I'll believe it because I yeah, there's probably somebody that says yeah he wants to stay there, but there's also a part of me that says. Man, what if Cleveland comes and backs up a hundred million dollar deal that you just saw John Gruden get uh with the with the Raiders? Like there's a market that's been set in the NFL, which is pretty unique. Yeah, when you're talking about that kind of money, I mean you gotta do what you gotta do. By <laughs> yeah, right? right. But let me ask you, let's say that like, the money isn't an issue. Is there a better, more desirable job for him in college football I don't than University so. of Michigan? No, I think this is his see, this is when he was hired, and I know he wears on people, and maybe he's even wearing on Michigan administration. Like, right. Maybe he's wearing on those people. But this is where he played. This, to me, looks like his dream job in college. Correct. But he's also been in the NFL, so, had success, and taken teams there. And who's to say he couldn't go and always come back? And he could come back to Michigan even. What would be a good fit for him in the pros? Like you've got you've got the Packers up in the air, right? Yep. You've got you've got See, Cleveland think, that's going to need a new head coach. They're not going to. They're not. Gonna I think win. Jim Harbaugh and Aaron Rodgers is a train wreck. Train wreck. I think it would be an absolute disaster. But you know it'll be a disaster. Do you yep. think he knows it'd be a disaster, or do you think that's something that he like? Yeah, got, I think probably. Yeah. I think I think he'd be better developing a younger quarterback like Baker Mayfield. Okay. And I think if you're looking at rosters across the NFL. The Browns have a talent-rich roster that's not that far away. It was one of the reasons I thought they could maybe make the playoffs this year. Right. Now, that was like, that was assuming Hugh Jackson got fired earlier than he did. But I think you look at him. I think that is a desirable spot, especially from what you've seen of Baker Mayfield already. But here's the thing where I don't know if it's a good fit. Baker has been succeeding because they've been implementing schemes from college and Jim Harbaugh, even at Michigan, when everybody else is running all this running fun old school stuff, power, running more old school, you know, f- you know, physical. We're going to run the ball, two tight end, you know, two tight ends, receiver, right. and we're going to max protect, and we're going to run it down your throat. He's an old school coach, and I don't. Again, I, it wouldn't be as bad as it is with with the relationship between Harbaugh and, and Aaron Rodgers. Baker's got a little. 
like punk in him, and I don't know how punk-ish. that. But if he's a, but he's also a fiery competitor. Yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. Punk-ish. Punk-ish. I'm not sure we're not calling him a punk. <laughs> you guys didn't even talk about the biggest thing. The the big What's bad bully is gone. Urban Meyer's gone. So now Jim Harbaugh has a chance to win a game against Ohio State. It's an excellent point, Coco. That's why you got your special camera in there, just for playing like that. Coca. It is, but it is. If there was ever a time where you're sitting there, it is because Urban Meyer stepped aside. But here's the thing: like, if you can't beat Ryan Day yeah. next year at home in Ann Arbor, you might be looking for work as opposed to having these rumors about you leaving. Is it fair? Like, if I, this is the way I feel about Jim Harbaugh, if you take, he'll take your team that's at like a two on a scale of one to ten, right, or like at a four or five on a scale of one to ten. He will relatively quick you quickly get you to like. An eight. Yeah. Like, he's going to get you there pretty quick, but he never really gets them to like a 10. Like, is that fair? I mean, cause yeah. I feel like he did it in San Francisco. Yep. Never really got him. Got him to the Super Bowl. Got him to the Super Bowl, but well, that's, yeah, didn't win but it. But he didn't win it. Yeah. That's Stanford like more like a nine. Add him to a good program, but didn't win it. Correct. Didn't win a championship. You do the same in Michigan. Take Michigan, he's been, Michigan, I think it's interesting because this year was the year we were supposed to hear about him. They were right there. But and didn't. Totally collapsed. But didn't. Exactly. I do think. They've gotten better every year. He finally has his quarterback. I think next year will be a monster year for him. If you can't next year get him to win a Big Ten with Urban Meyer stepping aside, then I think it's a little disappointing if you're a Michigan fan. You lose a lot of that defense. You're going to lose Rashad Gary. You're going to lose. You're going to lose Devin Bush Jr. Yeah, but this is one of. But I think that's the one thing that he's got going for him now is because he's there. They've been recruiting better. They lost to Brill Peppers. They lost Big Bud on the offense. Like they've. That's a good thing. You're getting recruits to the NFL. So right. you're obviously doing a pretty good job evaluating talent and bring it in there, but it's still a problem. I want to make sure we hit on the Heisman Trophy because I can actually reveal my vote. Who'd right? you vote for? It? I don't think it was any surprise. Dwayne Haskins. Out there. No, I had Kyler Murray number one, yeah. Tua number two, yeah. and Dwayne Haskins number three. I think you could have made a strong case for any one of them to win the award. I personally, and I know Bama fans probably like you're crazy. If Tua would have played great against Georgia, and that's I probably would have, he would have sealed Tua. it. Correct. And if, but because Kyler Murray played better against Texas, I gave him the edge on Saturday. I was open minded coming in the last week. That moment that you talk about, that Heisman moment, it took the entire season for Tua to have a shot at it, yep. and he was hurt for it. Yeah, and so he didn't get he a chance to have it. Interception. No, he didn't play well. But right. you would have forgiven all of that if he brings Alabama oh. back the way Jalen did, yep. and they win that game. That's his and, moment. And if he comes out there limping and like something, and I get it, it's an injury. Like I'm not saying he should have played like because he was hurt. Right. But if there was, and I tweeted it during the game. I said, and it was, I think it was at halftime when they were down. I said, if Tua brings them back, this is his size. Yeah, that was he it. wasn't able to do yeah. it. So it was unfortunate that that happened. Uh, so good news for Kyler Murray. You see the stats, like, and I get it. I hear all the stuff. What? I don't think it's about the stats. I think it's about the amount of times that Kyler Murray needed to pull through through his team Let in me, the third and fourth quarter, and he did. And I'm going to ask you a question, though. Yep. Like, I'm looking at the stats. What is their argument? That he, Kyler that Murray's stats are... Fourth quarter. That's that's the biggest argument is that Tua then, then, could have inflated And that's stats. Nick Saban's problem. But see, like, that's, that's my whole point is that Bama's dominance actually hurt Tua. Because right. they were so good because he didn't get to pad his stats. It is a stat-driven award. Like, they love the stats. But I do think people evaluated and said... You know what? Tua just, it was kind of boring to watch them dominate. It really right. was. And he didn't get to, he didn't ever have the chance to say, man, we need Tua on this drive to win the game for us. And the one time he had the opportunity, he didn't come through. Yeah. But so good news for Kyler Murray. He wins the award. I think it might be bad news for him though, because you just woke up an already team that's going to be fired up to play you in the Orange Bowl and yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. Now they're going to be hotter and they're going to want to prove that their guy was wrong and they're going to embarrass Kyler Murray. That's yeah, not a good. I don't think it's uh, Kyler Murray's not up to the task. I can't wait to watch it still. But you have players 
out there who are actually tweeting about it. Isaiah Bugs, uh, free third, December 29th. It's up. He's ready. Uh, Lindell Wilson, make them regret it. 13, not saying Kyler isn't good, but he took 200 more snaps than Tua. And then, uh, this one to me is one that I favored. I'm going to save this one just in case. Will Lowry, former Bambi. So he's a little bit more outspoken. This morning, the Heisman voters didn't recognize and reward, uh, rewarded gross stats against extremely weak competition, more than extraordinary and consistent efficiency in the toughest conference. Or maybe it's just Bama fatigue. Maybe they'll recognize it when Bama, it's Bama by 50 in a few weeks. I don't, I don't know that. I don't think Bama's going to beat them by 50. And even if they did, I don't, I don't really know that that proves anyone's point. Like it's going to prove that Bama's a much better football team than, right. uh, than Oklahoma. But I think most people already know that. Like you're comparing, that's an individual stat. Right. It has to do with team success, but at the end of the day, it's purely an individual stat, uh, individual award. Yep. So like, so Bama rolls them by 50. Like it really doesn't prove anything. You know what I mean? And the, I'm going to go back and say again, if anyone has a problem with Tua not getting the 200 snaps that Kyler Murray got, then go talk to Nick Saban. Like the, the, the other common theme I've heard people come out and say, well, watch out next year because Tua's going to play four quarters and let him run up the score. Do it. Yeah, exactly. If you want to give him the Heisman, good. that's what's most important to you, then you'll do that. But right. I don't think Nick Saban Danny, will do that. Let me, Danny, let me ask you something real quick. Yeah. Lincoln Riley's now two for two with Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. So is, oh. is this more of a system thing or are these kids really that good? So I think it's a good question because I do think it's both. Mm-hmm. I think the system is incredible. But I also think Baker Mayfield set a standard that nobody thought was going to be matched. Like yeah. efficiency, setting records, and then Kyler comes and plays better and runs around and adds more to that. Right. And they both delivered. Again, like they both delivered amazing seasons. And I think you're seeing Baker have success at the next level, which speaks to yes. point. Like, yeah, the system's great, but the kids are really For all good. the bashing we do about Big yeah. 12 defense, nobody does it. Baker plays, has been playing great as a rookie, and guess who else played in the Big 12? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Probably going to be the MVP Ooh. of the NFL. Didn't look like it impacted him much Ooh. playing against those defenses uh, in college. All right, let's get over to Hannah for Socially Relevant. Hey guys, we have just one story today because I know you guys will want to take a deep dive into this one. We're staying with that Heisman talk. So it went from a high point to a low point for Kyler Murray this weekend. So just hours after winning college football's most prestigious award, the Oklahoma University quarterback apologized on Sunday for using homophobic language in a series of tweets dating from 2011 to 2012. The Twitter messages date back to when the now 21-year-old was just 14 or 15 years old. Now many of those tweets have since been deleted, but some of them are still there. So on Sunday morning, he tweeted out, quote, I apologize for the tweets that have come to light tonight from when I was 14 or 15. I used a poor choice of word that doesn't reflect who I am or what I believe. I did not intend to single out any individual or group. He won the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night for leading fourth-ranked Oklahoma to a 12-1 and record and a spot in the college football playoff, as you guys discussed. So, Damian Raja, this is not the first time that this has happened. What's your take on this pattern of old tweets resurfacing after someone hits a career milestone? All right, so I saw this happen, and it really ticked me off, right? And I wasn't ticked at Kyler Murray. Like, no one in their right mind is going to say that his tweets were okay. Like, no one. No one's arguing that he should be allowed to say whatever he wants. My point is, he was 14 or 15 years old. This is the biggest night of his his life. And you've been sitting on these tweets just to do it then so you can get clicks and make it a story. That is the lamest thing I can even think of that you would do. Like, if you had these tweets, why not bring them out a couple weeks ago or a month ago or six months ago, whenever you found them? And even again, it's from a 14 or 15-year-old like kid. Like, where are we in our society where we like just hanging people out and say, I got you, I got you? Like, that's the lamest thing I can think of. Like, you gotta be a pretty low 
standard individual to be one of these trolls? Like, why, why, why are you? And these are reporters. These are like, reporters. And then you're still low. You, you're Agreed. very, you're low life. Agreed. You are and low I life. Like, and I'm mad at all the media outlets who then run with this story and put it out there. Now, it's not newsworthy. It's, but having said that, like, you know, I did, I was able to have a conversation with my boys yesterday, yeah. you know, cause they were asking me about what happened. And, and I, you know, these are conversations that, you know, all parents should be having with their kids now with these social media platforms. Like, you know, mine's 11 and he's just starting to get on Instagram and, you know, he talks to his friends on Instagram and stuff. I won't, like Twitter and stuff like that. They can't be on or Snapchat, but Instagram he's on because he puts his sports stuff up there and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm having these conversations about, look, you have to be very, very careful about your personal thoughts and feelings as much as the allure of putting them out there. Like everyone wants that, right? Like I, I need everyone to know what I'm saying. Like people are going to celebrate. You don't need everybody knowing what you're thinking all the time. Don't put that stuff out there in in the in whatever sphere it is. Because if you put the wrong thing at 13 and 14, when you haven't really, you know, developed and you don't know what's right and wrong, like it could come back and bite you in the butt like this. You know, I've come full circle too because there were a couple times earlier when we've seen this. I'm like, all right, if you're a professional athlete, you should have your account scrubbed. Like however much you have to pay, a thousand bucks, a couple thousand bucks. Sure. Somebody go back and delete anything you said remotely controversial. You should have it deleted. But now I've flipped to like this is just. It's a it's a bad trend. It's a disturbing trend, and it's just why would you want to do it then? And it's yeah. always similar because they're starting to happening when these guys are having these athletes are having their breakout moments, and they're supposedly, um, you know, a life changing moment. Like this is a life changing moment for Kyler Murray. Yeah. The Heisman Trophy is a big deal, and now he's got to deal with this. It's a parasitic like culture, right? Like you're just gonna ride somebody else's moment, and you're just gonna kind of slide in there and hijack it with some old tweets. Like I, I just I real talk. I think you're low life if that's what you do. Sorry. Guys, this just happened with Josh Allen, too, and I haven't seen that resurface since that happened, but do you think that this will hurt him in the future at all now? Nah. This is going away. Like, look, I think pe- most people, most rational people... Yes, realize like, when like, you were 13, 14, 15, I would say, yeah. I don't want to go too far, but, like, I know in high school I did some really stupid stuff. You're 16 years old. Like, I'm, like, just stupid. Dude. You're dumb. You're not evolved yet. Like, you're you're not very mature. And I, So you say things that are dumb. I think there's a difference also between, like, using a word. You understand what I'm saying? Like, using whatever word he used. And let's say it's an, a racial thing. Right. Using a racial word, right, in, in text. Uh, there's a difference between that and then talking about hatred for different groups of people. Right. Like, those are different things. Like, so while you're 13 or 14, if you could make the mistake of using, you know, an insensitive word, but your, 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 your Twitter account doesn't reflect you feeling hatred towards said group, that's different than if everything you post is anti-group. Right. Now, I don't know that you change when you're 24 years old. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You probably are that same person. But if you made a mistake and used a word here or there in conversation, like, I'm not saying that's right again. Right. But I'm saying that you could, at 20-some years old, have a different perspective and be more well-rounded person. Yes. Uh, but I think we need to be better as media. Like, it yeah. better at reporting these stories. And if you want, if you have it, why sit on it till that moment? Like, that's the thing that bothered me. Because the timing of it right then, it was more about this guy getting clicks than it was about him generally feeling like we need to do better as a society. Yeah, true. It was more about him just trying to get clicks. Thanks for listening to Canel and Bell. Download and subscribe to us anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the pod. And while you're at it, you might as well follow us on Twitter at Canel and Bell.